Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Insurance Uncovered. This podcast is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies and is your source for insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. I'm your host, Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering the Repair Act. The debate on auto right to repair is gaining more attention on Capitol Hill. Plus, NAMIC's new chair, Elizabeth Peck, shares how being involved in advocacy sends policyholders a message of support. But first, it's been a chaotic week in Washington, with Congress passing a short-term funding bill to avoid government shutdown in the 11th hour, and in a historic first-time-ever vote, Speaker Kevin McCarthy has been ousted. As leadership handled shutdown negotiations and the speaker drama, committees in both chambers were hard at work on priority issues for NAMIC. The House Committee on Energy and Commerce held a hearing on consumer rights. The Proposals to Enhance Product Safety and Transparency for Americans hearing examined 12 issues, including automotive right to repair as well as vehicle data ownership. Expertech auto repair owner and hearing witness Kathleen Callahan says this issue is an existential threat to the future of independent repair shops, which are at the whim of manufacturers that aim to make millions off vehicle-generated data. The Repair Act allows the free market to work by pro- prohibiting competition-busting barriers that vehicle manufacturers use to protect their competitive advantage. It will guarantee that our shops, chosen by the vehicle owner, can access the data they need to safely diagnose and repair vehicles today and in the future. If the dealership is their preferred shop, that is their right. They should also have that right guaranteed to come to my shop. It's your car, it should be your data, and right now it is not. NAMIC submitted testimony for this hearing focused on the rising cost of auto ownership, auto data, the importance of consumer choice, and the organization's support of the Repair Act. Also in Washington, the Senate Banking Committee met to vote on the updated Safer Banking Act. That's the bill to allow insurers and other financial firms to provide products and services to legal cannabis-based businesses without fear of breaking federal drug laws. The bill passed out of committee, but there's still a long road ahead. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he wants to bring the bill to the Senate floor as soon as possible, but his goal is also to amend the Safer Banking Act to include the HOPE Act. That bill is designed to incentivize state and local governments to expunge cannabis records, as well as the Graham Act, which would allow medical cannabis patients to purchase and possess firearms. NAMIC continues to advocate for this package and other legislation that eliminates conflicting federal and state drug laws for insurers across the country. Well, NAMIC has a new leader. The association introduced its new chair during the 128th Annual Convention in National Harbor just outside Washington, D.C. Greater New York CEO Elizabeth Heck told attendees about the broad impact of NAMIC's advocacy efforts and her optimism that the industry will continue to embrace any challenge that comes its way. Over the years, I've realized that NAMIC's advocacy efforts aren't just about legislation and regulation. They're also about sending policymakers the right messages about the mutual insurance industry. 
I had the opportunity to experience this firsthand when I testified before the Federal Insurance Office about the 2020 TRIA reauthorization that was ultimately reauthorized in 2019. The federal government wanted to increase the program's trigger to a level that would have excluded a large majority of NAMIC members. So when FIO asked me to speak, my first move was to call NAMIC, and together we crafted a message that showcased the need for an insurance market that is diverse in size, location, and specialty. One of the key points that I wanted to get across was how mutuals have helped fill insurance gaps for hundreds of years. I spoke about how some of us might not have been able to continue protecting our policyholders if the tree of reauthorization passed with a trigger that was too high. I believe they really understood the point that insurance carriers are not interchangeable and how excluding small and mid-sized companies from the market would ultimately be detrimental to consumers. On today's Unscripted, NAMIC CEO Neil Aldridge sits down with Heck to talk about her vision for the industry as the new NAMIC chair. So joining me today on the podcast is Liz Heck. Liz has just become the chair of NAMIC. Uh, Liz runs the uh, great company, Greater New York, uh, in New York City. The greatest. The greatest. Mutual. There we go. And so Liz is joining us on the podcast today to talk about her year as chair of the NAMIC board. We'll get to know her a little bit better, a little bit about the company, a little bit about what's on her mind. And so Liz, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much, Neil. I'm really happy to be here. So I got to ask you, why the hell would you want to do this? <laughs> Neil, it's an excellent, <laughs> excellent question. <laughs> Truthfully, uh, you know, NAMIC is a terrific organization. I've been involved uh, for more than 20 years. I've gotten enormous value out, out of it. And, and, and frankly, I hadn't thought about uh, being chair. Uh, so I am incredibly uh, honored and humbled to even having been considered. So I'm really looking forward to well, it. Well, we're, we're looking forward to it, too, as no, no doubt. Um, so you, you're a legacy company. Tell us a little bit about Greater New York. What, what's the profile of the company? Where are you in New York City? What do you do? Yeah, so uh, Greater New York was uh, founded at the turn of the century out of um, an insurance availability need. Uh, my company was uh, started by immigrant building owners who had come to this country. Um, they were, um, you know, they were people that didn't have a lot of money. They were basically tradesmen who worked and saved and they would buy a building. And the buildings that they bought, you know, would be a single tenement apartment house in, in an area that was subject to a lot of crime. There was a lot of overcrowding. And because of that, uh, they were unable to find insurance in the general marketplace. So just like a lot of mutual companies, mm -hmm. they banded together and they formed a company. Now the company writes in uh, 17 states. Um, we are, um, we're still a very large writer of residential real estate, uh, but we write all classes connected to real estate. And, and we continue to serve a niche that is um, not easy to fill in the city. Yeah, <clears throat> no doubt. And so a little bit of the history of the company, obviously, writing a lot in the city, in New York City. Nine, the events of 9-11 were important part of your company's history. Um, your father, when he ran the company, was a, a large player in the industry in working with us at NAMIC and others to get the TRIA program put together. So talk about a little bit about that legacy in terms of the 9-11 and the fallout there and it, with the effects it had on your company. 
Yeah, you know, uh, 9-11, it was a, obviously it was a big event that uh, impacted not only the industry, but the country. But for Greater New York, it was, um, it, it, there was a huge impact because at the time, all of our business, we were largely in the tri-state area. So we had a very big concentration and it was a, a difficult quandary for us because we had been supporting many of our policyholders since the turn of the century. We had many of these property owners uh, were families where they had left these buildings to their children and 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 we had uh, these properties for 20, 30, 50 years or more. So we needed to find a solution. And, uh, you know, we did like a, a, every other company, we um, worked internally to adjust our underwriting guidelines, but we reached out to NAMIC to uh, really work towards getting that government backstop in place. And the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act uh, was essential. Yeah, so you've got a long history with NAMIC and our advocacy efforts in mm -hmm. particular, but all of our efforts. So how would you encourage others to get involved both with NAMIC and also specifically with our advocacy efforts? Well, I think first of all, I think NAMIC offers more than just the advocacy, mm -hmm. although the advocacy is critical to any business. But what, what I have found just through my participation with NAMIC is that NAMIC also provides a forum to be able to network uh, with other companies. And through the years, NAMIC has added a lot of value-added services that I think uh, many companies find useful, and I think it's necessary as the industry evolves uh, to take advantage of that. And I would encourage everybody to get involved, to, um, uh, to connect with other companies, and, and, and really you know, take advantage of the resources that are available. So you're about to become chair. Mm -hmm. We're here at our annual convention uh, recording this podcast and you become chair in just a few days. So uh, is there any particular issue? Obviously there's a lot of things going on in the industry right now, lots of challenges for us. There always are, there just seems to be more of them at the moment. So what, what do you see as like a particular area of interest for you as board chair? Well, you know, I, I've always been very interested in the advocacy. You mentioned my father, you know, he, he got the company involved with TRIA. Since then, there have been a lot of uh, issues that have come up and what I have seen is that NAMIC was able to take control of those issues before they became uh, a threat to the industry. And, um, and I saw it over and over and over again. One that is percolating and bubbling up is the attack on risk-based pricing. And we see it across every state. We see it uh, finding its way through the legislatures, not even uh, through just through the insurance. We're seeing it in, in other committees. And I think it's something that's very dangerous. I think NAMIC made a very big push during uh, the last NFIP reauthorization to make that point, uh, the importance of risk-based pricing known. And um, it, it's something that I think is really critical, uh, you know, to the uh, success of the to the future success of the industry. No doubt, we have to be able to price products accurately to reflect the risk. And the risks are changing. Uh, there's more risk. Uh, and certainly uh, being able to price uh, products accurately is, is, is the best form of consumer protection because that means the companies are going to be there when they need to pay a claim. And particularly when you think about it, Neil, with, the, uh, with climate change and, and all of the changing weather patterns and inflation yeah. and loss costs are going up. And if, the, uh, if, if at the same time we're battling an attempt to bring the pricing down and the math just isn't going to work. So it's very, very important that the legislators, that consumers and that the, uh, the insurance departments understand the impact 
of what they're attempting to do. Well, that's our message in a nutshell. We've been running around the country to anybody that will listen, um, trying to convince policymakers at every level, Washington and the states, uh, that this set of circumstances we're facing as an industry requires us to be able to accurately price these products to meet our promises that are made to the policyholders, and it's at the heart of what we have to do. And I agree with you, it's an enormous challenge for us, and unfortunately it's getting more complex with the weather, with inflation, with all of the economic factors going on. And the different parties involved. Yeah. So uh, the thing that has surprised me is seeing uh, interested parties come out of the woodwork with that you wouldn't expect. And the value of having an, or, an association like NAMIC, who's able to be able to look at the entire issue holistically to be able to get ahead of it, I think is critically important. Well, thanks, Liz. And we appreciate your leadership here. I'm looking forward to working with you as chair of the board. Obviously, working with you is not new to me. Um, you have been involved with NAMIC for years. Uh, it's a great company in New York. It's a great story of the company and your family legacy. Uh, involvement with NAMIC, and we're, we're looking forward to your year as chair. Thank you very much, Neil. I'm looking forward to it, too. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back again on October 18th with more insurance news and perspective. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a wonderful day.